You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Sunday afternoon. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And today we're going to jump into the fact that it's actually game week, guys. And I've got a special guest on the line with us today, Jacob from Packernet Podcast. You also know him from the uh, Packernet Fantasy Podcast, which is getting rave reviews, and we knew it would. Um, and, uh, yeah, knocked it out of the park, dude, with the first episode. Uh, got a lot of feedback. I know the uh, the download counts way up um, with that show as well. You guys crushed it. But how you doing today, Jake? Man, I'm doing good. I appreciate man, I'm doing good. I appreciate those comments. Um, it is one thing I will say, man, that uh, I don't understand how Ryan does a podcast every day. I don't get how you do four a week because, dude, trying to just get one figured out is – stressful as all you know what so uh props to you guys man i'll tell you um it's it's funny that you're saying that to me because i said the same exact thing to ryan not too long ago i was like dude how you've done a podcast every single day for as long as you have mad respect <laughs> because and for it to be like good quality every you know you don't ever get like a, a dud there always seems like they're bangers and and you it's like you get caught up in it and then all of a sudden you go to cut a cut an episode and it's like, what am I going to talk about today? I haven't even really thought about it. <laughs> so it, it's cool though. This time of year I, I'm finding is a lot easier, but I think there was no better time for me to get started than the off season. Cause you've really kind of got to dig and, and find those, those topics that, that keep people, people engaged. But uh, speaking of keeping people engaged, we actually, uh, have a, uh, a sponsor for the show today, and I'm going to do a quick ad read if you guys don't mind. Today's show is brought to you by PristineAuction.com. Uh, PristineAuction.com is back on the Packernet podcast. Uh, it's the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. We're teaming up with Pristine Auction once again uh, on another great giveaway. Listeners slash viewers can win a Jordy Nelson signed football championship trophy. Check out twi our Twitter page for pics of this uh, great piece of memorabilia. To win, all you have to do is head to pristineauction.com and click register on the top of the page, or just follow the link on the podcast uh, in the podcast description. When you register, use your registration code FARV, that's F-A-V-R-E, to be entered. And as a bonus, Pristine Auction will kick in $10 off your first winning auction. Uh, every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. 
guys, if you ever watch my live streams, you'll see right back here on the wall. Um, I've got a uh, autographed uh, Paul Hornig jersey that's got his accolades sewn into the jersey. I've got a Hall of Fame Dave Robinson autographed jersey, a Carol Dell autographed jersey, which Carol Dell actually grew up about 15 minutes from where I'm from over in Virginia, just across the Virginia line. Got his autographed jersey, three-time Super Bowl champion with Lombardi. And then I got the uh, the beast that will be Quay Walker, uh, his autographed jersey on the wall behind me. So all that came from pristineauction.com, just so you know. They're legit. They get the they get the memorabilia to you quick. It's very easy to work the site. You can just upgrade your collection to sign memorabilia today with ten dollars off the first item one when you use the code FARV when you sign up. Again, pristineauction.com slash register or just use the link uh, in the show uh, description. Just use the code FARV and get ten dollars off. You'll be entered into uh, the the contest to win the signed Jordy Nelson. Football championship trophy. Kind of looks like a mini Lombardi. Looks really, really pimp. And the drawing will be held Monday, September 19th, which is uh, actually my birthday. So that's kind of cool, right? I turned the uh, turned a big 4-0 on the 19th, Jacob. Jeez. And, uh, I've got to play that sound bite when I hit it, too, of the uh, the coach going, I'm a man. I'm 40. i got to do that. <laughs> We've got to add that into the show. So hey, just expect that, guys. So anyway, all right, let's get into the show here. What we're going to do today Normally, what we wanted to do is going into a game week, we wanted to wait until the episode before game day to kind of break down the upcoming matchup. But, guys, we're so giddy. We're so ready for this season. We can't wait. We're going to do it today. We're going to talk about the key matchups when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings and going on the road and playing up there in Minneapolis. And uh, this was a fun one to kind of break down, Jacob, because when I started looking in the numbers, man, when I started, I got a little shaky, like, you know, because I picked this game originally, I, I picked the Packers to lose this game on the road and then win the one at home, right? But then as I really dug into the numbers and, and and got to, you know, got to look into it a little bit deeper, I feel a lot better about this game now. I don't know if you feel the same, but um, let's just jump right into it, man. Let's talk about the Vikings offense and how they stack up against the, the Packers defense. First of all, the Vikings rushing offense last year graded out at a 69. And what I do is I take the run blocking grade and the running back grade or ball carrier grade, I guess you could say on PFF. And I kind of combine those two. So we came up with about a 69 grade, right? And that was versus uh, versus the Green Bay Packers last year. Their halfback, Dalvin Cook, actually only had a grade of 63.1 and then 56.6. And I think that's something that's a big misconception, Jacob when it comes to uh, Dalvin Cook. I don't think he's quite the player that people think thinks he is. Um, however, the Packers' rushing defense last year, only a 54.6 grade, man. That's rough. What do you think when it comes to uh, Dalvin Cook and that Minnesota Vikings running attack against the Packers' rush defense? How do you see it? Well, as I previously stated, I think it was on the first Packernet Fantasy podcast, Dalvin Cook, man, he is he's never had a season in his career that he finished, you know, all what was 16 games, now 17 games. I believe it went like four games, then 13, 13, 14, something like that. So, you know, the guy's great when he's in the game, but he is not going to do you anything any good when he's on the bench. Um, I know that Madison is a very solid backup. I, you know, I don't know. Ingram is a big question mark as I sit here and I look at their PFF grades. You know, Bradbury, he's nothing to write home about. He's been, I would say, pretty big bust if you look at where he was drafted and all the hopes they had for him. Cleveland seems like he's maybe taken a little bit of a step and Darisaw possibly can make another step. But I don't know, man. I was definitely, I think I also chalked them up as a loss in my initial, um, you know, mock of the season. 
I'm feeling a lot more confident going into this game, just especially if, if we walk in there with Jenkins and Batiari, I mean, that's a whole different, a whole different ball game in my opinion. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tentatively leaning towards more positive. Yeah. And we'll kind of get into that here in a second when we cover the Packers offense, but I agree, you know, even, even with Bach and Elton not playing, I still feel like we have a, leg- a legit shot to win this game. If those two are playing, I'd feel a lot better. But, again, we'll get into that in a second. Um, All right, let's do this. From the wide receiver standpoint, right, from the passing attack, we know they have Kirk Cousins. I personally think Kirk Cousins is a decent quarterback. I do. I think he's someone who protects the football. I think he's an accurate passer. Um, But I think in the past, too, the the schemes he's been a part of, the offensive systems, haven't really been able to showcase um, his abilities. It's funny. I heard Michael Lombardi say on a podcast several weeks ago um, that – that you know Shanahan and his type of system, it would thrive with someone like Kirk Cousins at the helm. And of course, they bring in Kevin O'Connell from the LA Rams, which essentially runs that Shanahan system, right? So that kind of got me thinking, okay, what's the wide receiver matchup going to look like against uh, you know, the, the Packers DB unit? Well, Justin Jefferson last year, no surprise, you know, had an awesome year, graded out of the 90.1. Um, from PFF. And I go over all grades, guys. I don't really key in on route running or receiving grade as opposed to this, because I think all facets of the game are very important. I think it's it's an, it's very important to just incorporate that into the grading. But uh, Justin Jefferson graded out of the 90.1, and then their number two guy, Adam Thielen, graded out of the 74.6. Now, if you look on the other side of the ball there with the Packers DB unit, obviously Jair Alexander's 100% healthy now. If we go back to his 2020 grade, and he graded out at a 90.5. You got Rasul Douglas, who last year graded out at a 74.8. And you got Eric Stokes at a 66.3. Now, why do I mention all three of those and not just two? Because it sounds like Rasul Douglas is going to play the slot. So the entire game, Eric Stokes is going to be on the outside. And the reason I say that as well is because of 11 personnel, which Kevin O'Connell ran a lot of with the L.A. Rams. Okay, so you're going to see a lot of 11 personnel. And we'll talk about that again here in a second. But when you look at that matchup overall, it's going to be Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson on the outside for the most part. Now, they do like to move those guys around. You know, you never know if they're going to play X, Y, Z, if they're going to be in the slot. Uh, they move those guys around quite a bit. Jair Alexander is going to lock down his side of the field, Jacob, no, no doubt about it. Russell Douglas in the slot I feel real good about. Eric Stokes is the one that concerns me a little bit. If Eric Stokes gets matched up one-on-one against Justin Jefferson, I think Justin Jefferson definitely has the upper hand. But that's where you got to go back to scheme, right, and talk about this Joe Barry cover four look. There's going to be safeties over the top for the most part, especially if that running game struggles like we just heard that they did last year against the Packers uh, with uh, Dalvin Kirk only having a 63.1 and a 56.6 in their meetings as far as PFF grades. So when it comes to the wide receivers versus the DBs, what do you think, man? Are you uh, – the the only advantage I have there is – Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen might have a decent game just because if he is matched up against Stokes, I could see Thielen, you know, having a little bit better game. But anybody who lines up on Jair Alexander's side of the field, I'm not worried about Justin Jefferson at all, dude. If if yeah. he if he's lined up with Jair, Jair's going to shut him down. I wholeheartedly believe that. But how do you see it, yeah. man? Well, I would be interested to know, and I don't I don't know if Joe Barry, you know, is the type of guy that would do this if he would just lock Alexander and just spy. Jefferson, you know what I'm saying? Where he goes, right. I go mirror him the whole game. I would love to see that personally. You know, it'd be like the coolest chess game of offense <laughs> versus defense ever. And um, then I would honestly, at that point, I'd probably, 
man, I don't even know. I I go back and forth as well because I'm not sure how Razul's going to do in the slot. We really don't have a lot of, you know, tape to show this or that way about that. Um, I'm more focused, like you said, on whether Stokes takes that step. If Stokes takes the next step, I'm not really worried about him staying with Thielen. I think that actually be a pretty good matchup. Um, I, man, but I, again, I'd almost like to see Razul maybe paired up against Thielen. But obviously, if we have Jair that's that's trailing uh, Jefferson, then that maybe isn't an option. And also, we got to worry about KJ Osborne because he's not, you know, at Thielen's level or Jefferson's level, obviously. But he is a very formidable third wide receiver. So, you know, between that, but what's also great is that we haven't talked about the fact that we also now have Campbell and Walker, two linebackers that, depending on which scheme we're running, have the availability and the the possibility of being really good coverage linebackers which we have not had in so long i mean i can't i can't even remember did you by just write them as i'm thinking of uh packers linebackers did you see that the giants cut martinez i did man i did and i was a big martinez he guy. made his money and then yeah, he got he out. I, I i was a big martinez guy and i guess i was wrong because when when the packers let him walk i kind of put it more with uh, the uh, God, it's, it's escaping me now. The defensive coordinator that was here before Joe Barry, uh, huh? Who's Not that? Capers or uh, 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 Patton? Patton, exactly. I kind of <clears throat> chalked it up to that because middle linebackers have never thrived in his system. And when he signed with the Giants, I said I think he'll go out there and play good. Lo and behold, Giants cut him loose. I mean, I was wrong. Period. You got two different front offices that came up with the same end result. Um, but uh, like you said, man, he played. He made his money, man. Yeah. And that's the same thing that happened with Ty Summers. You know, I, I feel horrible because he was such a good guy. And um, again, one of those players that interacted with me on Instagram, but he, we cut him because we saw something wasn't right. And then he went to Jacksonville, got picked up on waivers and then they pretty much immediately uh, cut him as well. So like you said, two organizations coming to the same conclusion probably doesn't mean that um, they were wrong. Right. I know it's going to come as a shock to everyone, but Clayton, Jacob and all the Twitter people, don't know football better than the final. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's do this. Uh, let's move along. First of all, I did give the edge to the Vikings. I want to keep a tally of this when it comes to the running game because their their rushing offense graded out as sixty nine and the Packers rush defense graded out of fifty four point six. However, I did grin a little bit even before you said it when I was going through these numbers, Jacob. Um, when I thought, yeah, but we didn't have Quay Walker last year. Like, I got excited, you know what I mean, that first step and and everything he's shown. So, um, again, I gave them the slot edge there, and I give them the edge as far as the, the wide receivers against the DB slightly because of Adam Thielen, like I said, and us not knowing how well Stokes is going to play. If it was just Rasul and Jair, um, I would definitely lean toward the Packers. Very, very close there. No runaway victory so far, but those that's kind of how I see it. Let's move on to uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, and this is huge in, in the NFL today, especially with the L.A. Rams, you know, the L.A. Rams last year, they ran 11 personnel 86% of the time. And I mentioned that because Kevin O'Connell comes over from their offensive as their offensive coordinator to the head coach for the Vikings. He's going to incorporate pretty much everything he did with the L.A. Rams with a few wrinkles, I'm sure. The run rate was only 41%, and they only had a 47% success rate in the running game. So you're going to see a lot of 11 personnel, and you're going to see a lot of passing if he does what he did in L.A. Now you got to keep in mind that that was Matt Stafford. This is Kirk Cousins. Maybe he will lean on the run a little bit more. I just want to mention that because I think that's something that's very important. But when it comes to protecting the quarterback, right, 
You've got left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, Christian Derisaw. He graded out last year as a 71.9. I know Ryan was talking on his pod about he feels like he's a, a solid left tackle. He's someone who's going to continue to improve. Um, so they're, they're pretty good there. However, he's going to be going up against Preston Smith off that right edge. And Preston graded out last year as an 80.8. If he brings the same juice, then I give the edge to Preston Smith there hands down. Now let's go to the right side of the ball. You've got – Right tackle Brian O'Neill graded out as a 73.4 overall grade. And you've got Rashawn Gary, who graded out as an 89.3. Hands down, the edge goes to Rashawn Gary. It's not even close. So when it comes to rushing the quarterback off the edge and both, that's what I love about Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary in this Joe Barry defense. They do such a great job setting the edge against the run as well. And I think that's why the Vikings struggled running the ball last year against the Packers when everyone else just kind of ran all over them, right? So um, I give the edge to both Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. How do you see the edge there or the offensive line in general? If you want to talk about the interior, that's fine too. But how do you see the offensive line against uh, the Packers defensive front? No, man, I'll stick with the edges for now because, yeah, I I mean, I I might be the biggest Gary fan in the world right now. Um, Smith, like you said, is also quietly a very, very good edge defender. I believe he was 12th ranked last year out of 110. So, I mean, and, and you don't think about that because Preston kind of gets, you know, I think we may take him for granted a little bit. And I think that shows why people were surprised when we let Z go, we kept Preston. Well, now we're kind of seeing that's usually you let the dust settle. You wait a few weeks, a couple months, and you kind of realize, oh, yeah, the Packers knew what they were doing, and we're just a bunch of, like you said, Twitter trolls kind of trying to, you know, <laughs> argue with each other, trying to sound like freaking, you know, rocket scientists over here. But I would then go ahead, and the reason I want to give a little more nod to Gary and Smith, and not just because of the fact that we now have maybe Jerron Reed interior that maybe gives them a little more of a, you know, if, if Reed, Clark, and Lowry really do connect that well, and if they're feeding off each other that well, then that just means that the edges are going to have way more opportunities. And Again, Alexander did not play last year, guys. You can't tell me that having Alexander, the, one of the, the best cornerback in the league, that's going to – if that takes away a split second from that quarterback's first read or a second read, that just means that that's another split second for Rashawn Gary and Preston and Clark coming up to get – and if you remember, in, we were split seconds away from sacks. It seems like every preseason yeah. game, every practice, every scrimmage, every most of the games last year were split seconds away from sacks. So if you have that shutdown corner from Jair that makes Cousins pat that ball a couple times and hold on to it, again, for a split second longer, then we have how many more sacks this year? So I'm super excited. Yeah, pressure pick, coverage sack. Yep. That's that's what it comes down to. If you're getting pressure on the quarterback, it's going to lead to interceptions. You've seen that last year with Rashawn Gary. Everybody says, oh, but his sack total isn't no okay. Did you do you not remember all the interceptions Russell Douglas had? Like that's that's why you're forcing the quarterback to get the ball out uh off time and um and and just causing him to be uncomfortable the entire game. To me, I would much rather have a, a huge number of pressures. <laughs> than a minute amount of sacks. That's just me. Like I, if, if someone told me, Hey, you can have either 50 pressures and you know, 50 pressures and, and 10 sacks, or you can have 20 sacks and only 30 pressures. I'm taking the 50 pressures every time right. because yeah. it's, you're, you're putting the offense at a disadvantage. And I, and, and that's coming from me who has preached and preached and preached about how important turnover differential is. It's just yeah. pressures are, are huge. So, the X factors, as far as uh, on the uh, on this side of the ball, you know, with the the Vikings offense and the Packers defense, the thing that stood out to me, first of all, I mentioned about the eleven personnel. We're going to be in a nickel formation, a nickel, whether it's a two four five, a three three five, or 
whatever they decide to run. Um, we're going to be a nickel the majority of the time. Um, and again, their run rate was only 41%. But the X factor to me is Adrian Amos. You know, something that's so important in this Shanahan-style offense, and we've seen it with the Packers, you've seen Bob Tunyon blow up a couple years ago with the, you know double-digit touchdowns, is the tight end position. It's so important. It's so key. And it's, you know, I heard uh, Matt LaFleur say earlier this year, he said, you know, we don't, we don't go out and sign and just try to bring in tight ends or necessarily, you know, throw a first or a second round pick out there for a tight end because this system, you need someone who's been acclimated to the system to have an immediate impact. And it's so true. They, they, they are, they're forced to do so much. You know, we talked about the SIF block and we, it's kind of become the running joke, right? <laughs> with uh, Tyler Davis's play of camp or play of the preseason with that SIF block, but little things like that having to come all the way across the formation and seal an edge and knowing exactly where everything's going to go at all times. And on top of that, having the lateral, uh, the ability to move laterally in this zone blocking scheme, uh, wide zone, I should say, is very important. So when you look at, okay, Who's the matchup against the tight end? First of all, who's Minnesota's tight end? To the best of my knowledge, it's Irv Smith Irv. Jr. Yeah, Although he does Irv. have a, a finger injury or something like that. So he was coming off injury last year, and then he came in and, like, exactly. I don't know. If, yeah. I can't remember exactly what he did, but he apparently jacked it up pretty good. So he has not yeah, been so practicing. What, what I read was he had a knee injury that kept him out last year, and then he's got a thumb injury this yeah. year. Now, the everything I read, Jacob, it sounds like he's expected to play, but you know how it is, dude. When you when you're coming into especially week one, it's like red China. You never know what the information's gonna be. You don't know if it's are they just sending smoke signals or yeah. smoke screens rather. Um, but let's say Irv Smith Jr. does play, right? Okay, Adrian Amos for the most part is going to be helping shut him down. Now, if they're in a nickel, if they were in 12 personnel or 13 personnel the majority of the time. I might be a little more concerned, but the fact that they're in nickel, guess who's going to help cover that tight end as well? Russell Douglas, right? Mm -hmm. Russell Douglas with this cover four zone defense with some man principles that I'm not saying they won't play any man, but he's going to be floating around there in the middle of the ball hawk that is Russell Douglas. And then Adrian Amos sliding down into the box, you know, showing that cover, that cover four look, that could that that too high shell, and then post snap sugar. Bam, flying into the box. Adrian Amos helping cover up the tight end. I'm not worried about that at all. I give the advantage there to the Green Bay Packers with Adrian Amos um, being able to play in the box and shut down their tight ends. That's that's so vital in this uh, in this uh, Shanahan-style system. So, Anything else you want to add to that as far as the Vikings' offensive side of the ball and the Packers' defensive side of the ball? No, man, that, that's – I mean, as I'm sitting here looking at the uh... – the all 22 look of the PFF grades. It just breaks my heart to see Savage sitting there at a 57.372nd ranked out of 92 safety. So one thing that I'm going to be, again, a key matchup or note, whatever you want to say, going into this game, I want to see how Savage plays because I, I think, again, he's he's questionable, I believe, going into this game too because right. he's a little banged up. But it's like, man, just can you pull this together? I just yeah. I want I wanted him to be so good, so bad. You know, like I said, he's got the cool name, <laughs> he's got the jersey, he's got drafted him pretty early. I mean, come on, man, just help us out here. He's got the physical traits too, man. The yeah, so he's got the, the, it's it's obviously on the mental side. Now, let's take into consideration that you know it, this would this be a second year? This would be a second year in Joe Barry's defense, right? It's second year in Joe's, yeah. yeah. So let's see if he takes that step. You know, that is something to take into consideration because the safeties in this defense, the safeties have to have the ability to slide into the box post snap. 
that's something that's very vital. And uh, who knows what they asked him to do. And that's where PFF does get a little foggy at times because you don't know what the coaches are telling them. You don't know if they're saying, hey, look, I would rather you err on this side rather than this side. So that does come into play. But I'm with you. For me right now, Savage has been a disappointment. I like the guy. I think he's got a great attitude. I think he's a team player. I think he's got all the physical traits. But he just hasn't put it together yet. Maybe this is the year he does. Maybe the year it isn't. Now, here's the other thing, too. You know, we, we heard all the rumors coming out of camp that they had Rasul Douglas playing free safety. That's something, too, yeah. that might come into play. You know, what what if Savage isn't ready? Who's playing free safety? Who would your pick be? And I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but is it Russell Douglas or is it, you know, insert name? Because I don't feel like we have a whole lot of depth at the safety position personally, and it's obvious no. that the Packers coaching staff kind of agreed with that. So, yeah, um, I mean – I guess gun to my head. <laughs> Does Rudy Ford get a chance in there? I don't know because now we're banged up because Levitt can't really play. Scott's on IR. Savage is questionable. Um, then we're looking at Tariq Carpenter. I mean, right. I don't know, man. And that's a little bit dicey. Yeah. And the I wonder if maybe that's the reason. I wonder if, if Razul was only put there because they knew that they'd be so thin. That they were like, yo, yeah. if, if – Worst case scenario, we need this guy to at least, have some, at least have some snaps there so that he's not going in completely, you know, blind. Yeah. And keep in mind, too, with the changes in the CBA this year, being able to call players up from the practice squad and send them right back down, you know, the fanboy in me wants to go throw Abernathy back there. <laughs> Abernathy has not been in this system long at all. You, you guys know I am the president of the Abernathy fan club. And um, I do not want him playing free safety against the Vikings on Sunday. So not week how, one. how not good week is one. that? How good does that feel, though, bro, that we can say this Sunday? Yeah. Right? Oh, this Sunday I, coming up. <laughs> see, I woke up this morning and uh, getting ready. You know, I'll be on when the, the first couple times we used to record, man, I'd get those butterflies, you know, and get nervous and, and that kind of thing. It was more excited nervousness. And then that kind of fades away as you. You do these things over and over and over. But then this morning, I don't know why I woke up and holy, I felt like I was going to like, maybe it was the coffee extra strong kicking me, but I woke <laughs> up and I was buzzing, man. I've been up since like 5 a.m. I'm trying to, we're going to record the Packernet fantasy podcast after we're done with this one with the guys. So nice. I've been kind of cramming some numbers, but I realized the reason is because it's a Sunday morning and it's one week away. One week from now, I wake up and it's real. My feet hit the floor and it's, freaking game time man and literally on those days i forget i have like a panic attack the whole day i get really really like my family used to not watch games with me they'd send me down to the basement because i <laughs> you know i'm screaming i'm cussing i'm yelling i'm i'm the highest of the high when they're doing good i'm the lowest of the lows when they're doing bad so it's like at my body i probably will die of a heart attack Bro, they, send you, they send you to the basement the visual i got just now was the goonies and you came up in the basement. <laughs> Rocky Road. <laughs> Sending me ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Hey, that's a good point to uh, go ahead and take us a quick break. Guys, when we get back on the other side, we're going to talk about the Packers offense and how they stack up against the Vikings defense. At this point right now, from the Vikings offense standpoint and the Packers defense, I have the Packers having an edge three to two um, with how I'm scoring it here looking into it. But let's take us a quick commercial break, pay a few bills. And when we get back, we're going to talk about this Packers offense. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, let's do it. Let's break it down here. We got the uh, the Packers offense. Jacob, I'm going to start with the running game, same as we did with the uh, with the Vikings there on offense. So on the Packers offensive side of the ball, you have got uh, – man, they really, really played well. Really played well. When you look at their offensive uh, running grade, just their running grade last year, 91.3. Now their run blocking grade, however, 61.8. Can we get a round of applause for these running backs? Because I'm telling you right now, I mean, according to PFF, the running backs are doing everything, right? Um, now, I think that will improve. Josh Myers is really showing he's he's going to be a he's, heck of a run blocker this year. Yeah. I think we're going to take a step in the right direction. Um, but when it comes to the running backs, Aaron Jones, 82.8 last year, offensive grade. A.J. Dillon, 86.7. Now, if you go to the Vikings defensive side of the ball, the Vikings run defense last year was only a 49.9. Now, they bring in a new defensive coordinator in Ed Donatel, right? So you're probably thinking, oh, they must have brought him in to button up that run defense. Well, you go to the Broncos' run defense last year, which is where Ed Donatel was the last few years, 51.6 run grade. I'm telling you right now, guys, if you play that daily fantasy, whether it's with FanDuel or whoever, and you uh, – I'd be picking the Packers running backs because they're probably going to have a decent game. So I give the advantage to the, the Packers uh, backfield there, and especially if we're going to see some pony package and stuff like that. But what do you think, Jacob? How do you see it, man? Yeah, I um, I, I believe wasn't PFF they considered Jones and Dylan like the third and fifth best ranked backs as far I don't remember what category that was, but um, maybe it was overall grade or whatever. But I mean, it, I'm so excited, man! And it's so weird when you look at this, hearing you say that the Vikings overall grade was that low last year. I mean, it makes sense when I'm I'm used to looking at the PFF grades of the Vikings defense and you see a lot of green, man, you see a lot of green flashing. I see nothing but yellows and a few greens here and there. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm uh, like you said, they're, they're weaker at safety. I think than they've been in the last 10 years this year. I think they're weaker at cornerback than they've been in a long time. Um, and honestly, I think they're weaker on the, uh, on the D line than they've been in a long, long time. I don't know if you guys got to listen to, uh, Ryan's podcast. I believe it was from this morning, like I said, I've been up since five, so they all blend together. But I think I listened to his podcast this morning, and he was basically breaking down how the Vikings defense is kind of a paper tiger now and how people on Twitter, <laughs> Vikings Twitter, is just the way that this is the best defense we've had in the last 10 years. And then Ryan literally like went back five years and then listed <laughs> off the stats and the PFF grades and the final result of the season. And it's just absolutely false, like unequivocally false. So – you know, I'm, I'm worried about Daniil Hunter, this guy that they signed, Phillips. He could be something. They PFF randomly has Smith slotted in at kind of like the defensive right tackle. Uh, or the Yeah, which is a little interesting there. And then they have Wanham as the uh, the right end there. I'm not sure exactly if that's how it's, how it's going to play out. You know, and Z- Zadarius Smith, I, I'm just not worried about him. I'm worried about him in the fact that he's going to have this revenge game. And I think that he personally might put everything in his tank on the line to like make a – 
you know, an impact game, a statement game. I'm sure he'll have something on a shirt ready to pull up once he makes a sack on Rodgers. But, like, that'll be his Super Bowl of this year. The guy will throw his back out, like, week three, and then I think he's done. So go ahead yeah. and have your Super Bowl, bud. <laughs> Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, again, I gave the edge to the running backs there against the uh, Vikings rush defense. Oh, and even... go ahead. One more thing. Sorry, sorry. Just to – I was going to – one of the first things you said was that basically the Packers rush um, – the offensive line rushing grade wasn't the best. And I thought about like, what happens if they take a step this year? Cause if you look back at a uh, AJ Dillon, when he was at Boston college, he literally, I believe if I'm not mistaken on his, his last year there had the worst graded offensive line of the whole FBS, which if you think about that is insane. And AJ Dillon did really, really well. Like I think his average contact uh, was like behind the line of scrimmage and the guy still balled out. You know what I'm saying? So if you ever give AJ Dillon an offensive line that will actually open up gaps for him, I just, I, I'm, it's almost scary to see what that could be and become. Definitely. Definitely. All right, let's move on to the, uh, the outside, right? The wide receivers versus the DBs. Um, as far as PFF, the top graded wide receivers for the Packers, Randall Cobb, 72.0. Alan Lazard, 65.5. Looks horrible. Looks horrible on paper, right? And then on the DB side, you've got Cam Dantzler uh, for the uh, for the Vikings, 73.8. Patrick Peterson, 63.0. Now, the thing to throw in there, though, is they got the rookie Booth Jr., right? And everybody's got high hopes for him. So when you look at it from that standpoint, Cam Dantzler shutting down, and I know Randall Cobb is going to be playing in the slot, and I don't know enough about their defense. Is Cam Dantzler going to play in the slot? Is he going to chase the, the best receivers around? I think if they he, have Sullivan playing the slot this year. Oh, gotcha. Shannon Sullivan. Yep. Okay. So when you look at it, I got to be honest. Um, if I'm going strictly off PFF, which you guys know I put a lot of weight in that, I got to give the advantage to the Vikings the way it sits right now. It's not a huge advantage. But the fact that they spent some uh, high draft capital on Booth Jr., if he comes in and plays a significant role, I would kind of give the advantage, and it's not much. I mean, it's it, it's almost a push, really, but I would probably say the Vikings on this. I don't want to be too much of a homer. I'm trying to be realistic here. I wouldn't expect the, the wide receivers to do a whole lot for the Packers in this game. I think that the approach to this game should be let's pound the freaking rock and take advantage of their poor run defense, <laughs> control the clock, and let them make the mistake. But uh, am I missing something here, Jacob? Do you see the receiving core now? Here's the thing, too. I mentioned I mentioned their rookie, Booth Jr., right? I did not mention Christian Watson. I did not mention Romeo Dobbs. These guys may come out, and I'm trying to curb the enthusiasm, but what if Romeo Dobbs comes out in this first game? And he just – and he, you know, has seven catches for 85 yards and a couple tuds. I'm telling you right now, dude, I'll have to keep the ceiling fan off here in the game room because my head will be in it. I'm telling you. But uh, what do you think, man? What, how do you how do you look at the wide receivers versus their DBs? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think that you're maybe a little bit uh, being a little too cautious. So I think that Lazard's probably going to be uh, shadowed by Dantzler and possibly, you know, I'm not exactly sure what to think of Lazard in that aspect. But like you said, I think that they're going to be focusing on trying to take away, which are, I guess, Lazard's our new X. Is that fair to say? Yeah, depends on the formation, yeah. Right. So I feel like they're going to try to focus on him. Booth, at this point, is not even slotted as the uh, starter. They have him on the second team, and he's also questionable going into this game. So he's a little banged up. I don't gotcha. honestly okay. see him um, having that much of an impact and, unless maybe we're going spread offense or something like that. It's going to be really interesting because, like you said, Lazard maybe is the X. I'm sure they're going to give Randall most of the slots snaps. But then I could see, like you said, Watkins – 
I would not be surprised if Watkins, Dobbs, and maybe Watson, if he's healthy, have an equal amount of snaps at that third receiver spot or that second receiver spot. And they're trying to maybe feel out, you know, where the advantage is. And like you said, I just want to see Romeo Dobbs off the line against a subpar, you know, throw him against Sullivan, put him in the slot and see if he can burn Sullivan off the line. Cause I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. And <laughs> I just can't wait. Like, I can't wait. I'm so excited, dude, all the possibilities. And that doesn't even factor in that like Amari Rogers doing like the jet sweep and the jets motion or, you know, the, yeah, I, who knows what we're going to do. I think that's another real thing not to jump into a different topic, but the fact that we only kept two running backs, I really think is a nod that Amari Rogers might be our new Debo Samuel. So. Yeah, dude, that would be awesome, man. I would love to mm-hmm. see it because his, his rushing grade has always been solid. It yeah. really has. Amari's has. Um, yeah. So that's exciting stuff there. Um, yeah, man. I Like I said, it's not, it's not a runaway by no stretch of the imagination. Um, and I'm looking at this kind of from a pessimistic approach. If I give the slot edge to the Vikings, I'm still feeling great about this game when it comes to, you know, if I give the slot edge in this this facet. Now, the other thing, which is going to be one of my X factors I'll talk about here in a second, second Aaron Rodgers, guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> it, when, I, when I bet on games, if I'm betting at the beginning of the game and I'm not doing my patent live betting right after halftime, um, the thing that I always take into consideration is, Head coach versus head coach, quarterback versus quarterback, and how how do the edge defenders stack up against the uh, the offensive line? You know, yeah. and when you look at all three facets of this game, Packers have the advantage. You know, I haven't even talked about. It. Let's jump into it right here. Let's talk about the edge, <clears throat> left tackle. If Bakhtiari starts, right, and we're all praying to sweet baby Jesus, the seven and a half pound sweet baby Jesus, <laughs> seven pounds, right? six ounces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> In 2020, David Bakhtiari graded out at 91.8. Now, listen, he hasn't played football in a long time. Let's say he grades out at an 80, right, which I think would be very realistic. Then we're still in great shape. Now, everybody, the big the big bad bear on the other side is Darius Smith. Everybody's going, oh, man, you know. Guys, in 2020, his, his PFF grade was a 76.7. It wasn't off the charts like it was the year before, right? And now you also take into account the bad back. Guys, you've heard me talk about on the pod, back injuries are not something you just come back from. It sucks. I've dealt with two ruptured discs since 2007, and it is the worst thing I've ever had to deal with. It's something that comes and goes, and you are not the same person once damage is done. Now, I don't know all the significance of Zadarius Smith's injury, all the details, but I am not expecting him to all of a sudden outperform that 76.7 because he had one year off healing his back, and he's one year older as well. Everything that everybody says about David Bakhtiari, it's been X amount of days since he's played a snap. The same thing can be said for Zadarius Smith, right? So it's can he stay healthy. Um, I give – now, let's say that it's Josh playing left tackle. That's a whole different ballgame, right? Now, look at this, though. Bosa in San Francisco, Josh took care of business. Are we saying that Zadarius Smith is better than Bosa? I don't think so. I don't even think it's close, especially at this stage in their career. So I have a lot of confidence in Josh. I would give the edge to our left tackle there. Before we move on to right tackle, um, how do you see that matchup there with Zadarius Smith if indeed he's not roaming around and he's playing off just strictly that right side? Now, keep in mind, too, they have our linebackers coach. They have our old defensive coordinator and Petten on staff. They may be moving him into the A-gap. But I'm going to tell you right now. Josh Myers can handle Zadarius Smith. Josh Myers is a grown man. That boy is huge. So what do you think? 
I think that they are going to roam him around because just like you said, you look at PFF, PFF even has him slotted, like I said, as like a D tackle. So I, I feel like they're going to, like you said, we, they, the Vikings, the bears, the lions, they either stole half our coaching staff or half our uh, roster. You know what I mean? So yeah. I always say imitation is the biggest form of flattery. Well, they're trying to copy us and I have no reason to believe that they would not look at what we did in, in, in green Bay with Zedarius where the guy, yeah, man, it's a chess match. You see him running around the, the right pre-snap. You know, you don't know if he's going to come in through the A gap, B gap, C gap, coming off the complete edge. You don't know. And that's exactly why he was so dangerous in 2019 and somewhat more in 2020. Um, so I I am not too worried, like you said, if they shoot him inside, because I think that Myers can take care of him. I'm a little worried about our guards. When you look at their um, their rankings, they're definitely leaving some um, – some 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 grades to be desired, I would guess. You know, between running Newman, and who knows exactly how that's going to hammer out. If if let's say like Bakhtiari starts and Jenkins doesn't, so where does Newman go? Where does that mean Runyon goes? You know, I just it's 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 a little worrisome just because you don't quite know what the final five is going to be. But I'm confident that whatever the final five is can handle business. It's just it's not going to be ideal unless we have that Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Newman, Jenkins. In my opinion. Yeah. Right. I agree. I could see it that way too. Um, you know, if Elton does come out and play at right tackle, <clears throat> you know, last year 82.1. And I feel like he's closer sure. to playing than Bach is. I do too. Solid. Now you got Daniil Hunter lining up on that side, right? And uh he coming in at 80.8. Depending on how they move him around, who knows? They may come out and switch things up. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't blame them one bit if they did. Anything that you can keep as far as a guessing game for the opposing. Uh, offensive line is always going to be a plus, but Elton Jenkins at 82.1, Daniel Hunter at 80.8. Now, what worries me is the thought of having Royce Newman playing right tackle against Daniel Hunter. That yeah. worries me big time. Now, yep. if if this is the case and Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins both don't play, we're going to see Zach Tom. And I was going to say, yeah. One of two things is going to happen, Jacob. Either we're going to go, all right, let's curb the enthusiasm on Zach Tom. It was preseason. It's going to take a little bit. He's a rookie. Or we're going to go, we got us a dog. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> so, um, oh, again, wow. if it's Elton Jenkins, I give the edge to the Packers there. With the mm -hmm. uncertainty, it does make it a little bit little bit tough. As far as left tackle and Zadarius Smith, if indeed Zadarius does come out of that wide technique on the backside of Aaron Rodgers, I would call that a push personally. Um, but uh, Elton Jenkins, I feel like he would have the edge over Daniil Hunter. But what do you think about Daniil Hunter rushing the quarterback and how we could protect him? Man, I, Daniil Hunter was a freak for a couple – I think he's kind of like Zedarius, though. He had one year where he was a phenom kind of – but ever since then he's been eh, – all right, that's a great cut, by the way. I like that mustache. Mm. <laughs> like for, for those who can't see this. I was going to say. It's a Santa Claus Christmas mug. It's the first. It, it'll hold about a gallon of coffee, so it's like <laughs> right. But on the front of it, when you hold it up and take a sip, it looks like you got a mustache. So Santa yeah. Claus mustache, nice. Hey, the pre. best though is when we have people over at the house, and Mandy makes me a cup of coffee, dude. It never fails. She gives me the one that says it's good to be queen. Every time <laughs> I'm standing there talking to guests, I'm holding a coffee cup. Says it's great. It's great to be queen. That's what anyway. Oh, go ahead. That's good. Uh, Again, I think when I listened to Ryan's uh, podcast this morning, I, 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 if I'm not crazy, I think he made a reference to the fact that Hunter, for whatever reason, they're going to have Hunter do a different job or maybe lined up in a different technique. I don't exactly remember what the, the specifics were on that. So if that is the case, then again, you're asking a guy that's been really good at doing something for years and now you're having him do something different. Ryan's whole point was that 
don't mess with a good thing if you have a like you know don't if it ain't break if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing so who knows um that being said again if jenkins is out there on hunter i don't care that that seems fine if it's royce or if it's tom or something like that then i'm a little bit more on the edge of my seat but i, I think that we just probably would shade a tight end on that side you know try to do some chip blocks that kind of thing so I throw Mercedes over there and have him throw a shoulder into Hunter. I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem, you know, but put big dog on. He'll take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And, and you know, the fact that something else we haven't talked about here is Tanyan, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't even have it on my notes, but he looks healthy. He looks ready to go. Um, that's something that could play a, a huge factor in this game as well. But when we get into X factors here on the Packers offensive side of the ball, for me, Aaron Rodgers, man, um, guys, ninety four point five PFF grade last year, like that—that's insanity. And hopefully, he went and, and and got him another another little shot of ayahuasca this offseason, <laughs> and we're we're ready to play at another level. But oh, man. regardless, man, ninety four point five. Now, the X factor on Minnesota's side of the uh, side of the ball or side of the field, I should say, their safety Harrison Smith. I don't necessarily agree with the pff grade 77.9 i think he's a lot better than that there's a lot of things that that prominent offensive players in the national football league credit him for and that that's his pre-snap sugar the ability to disguise that defense is absolutely huge with harrison smith on the field but when you take those two x factors into consideration for me um, i'm trusting aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back mvp um over uh, you know, the X factor of Harrison Smith playing in the box, disguising, causing some some uh, disruptive looks. So obviously the advantage goes to Green Bay there with Aaron. But what do you think, man? Is there, any, you know, as far as X factors for you, is there anything else you want to hit on here that stands out to you? You go, you know what? I could see this being a big factor. Does anything come to mind, Jake? Well, I do want to touch on the, the quarterback comparison quick. Um, but before that, I would say that my other um, yeah X factor would be the running backs just – because if AJ Dillon and Jones take over the game versus if we can stop Dalvin Cook, I think that right there we win the game. I think that alone, because yep. um, that dictates who controls the game. You know what I mean? If we get a lead, we can run the ball, we control the clock, we control the time of possession, all that. We we got it. So if we look at quarterbacks though, um, PFF when they have a comparison from Rogers to Cousins, it's like basically a game preview. Um, the passer rating clean. Uh, percentage Rogers is 122.2 Kirk Cousins is 116.7 passer rating under pressure Rogers is 68.9 Cousins is 72.5 and again I'm not sure exactly which ranking or uh, PFF grade you're looking at there when you mm-hmm. said 94 this specific uh chart I'm looking at has Rogers's PFF grade at 89.4 and Cousins at 88.2 so I'm not sure if that's overall passing grade or just overall offensive grade whatever there's a bunch of different um, categories but then big time throw percentage Rogers is 5.59% compared to Cousins 4.66 turnover worthy play this is huge 2.02% is Rogers which I think was one of the best in the league if not the best compared to Cousins 2.8%, which again, isn't horrible, but it's no, a yeah. big difference. Um, and then the power rating, 7.5 to Cousins 5.5. Power rating rank, Rogers is first, Cousins is 11th. So, wow. um, and again, that's PFF's grades now going forward. And what's really interesting is when you look at their team metrics grades, I believe they're taking into effect their preseason grades and everything going forward. This has nothing to do with last season. So they have power rank overall, Green Bay ranked fifth, the Vikings ranked 21st. Got and it. the coolest thing ever is that our power rank for the defensive grade is third, 
versus Minnesota's 21st overall, which if God, if we had to say that one more time, defense, what was that last part? Say it one more time. Power rank defense overall is ranked Green Bay third and Minnesota 21st. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. So good stuff, man. I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, I want to look at the line. Do you have the early odds, betting odds on this? Yep, game? I do. What do you got? Uh, so as of like this, much they might change. I saw a couple. It looks like they're giving Green Bay one and a half points. Uh, the over under set at 48. And even if you look at like ESPN's matchup indicator, they got indicator. They have 53.7% going towards uh, Green Bay, 45.9 towards Minnesota. You know, I I was a lot more nervous about this game before I started really diving into the fine print. But mm-hmm. no matter how much X's and O's you do, no matter how much analytics, it's a it's a Packer Viking game, man. Yeah, it's emotion. It's completely emotion. And the only thing that I'm worried about is that. We saw what what happened in week one with the Packers last year because we were we were playing whatever patty cake and we didn't start our, our our starters this preseason for all the hoopla and all the drama and all the talk about last year we didn't do it this year and honestly mm-hmm. I understand why we didn't but you know that those that Packers Twitter is gonna blow up if we lose <laughs> to the Vikings on week one and it's gonna be like when did we start our starters you know and it's I'm ready for it so I'm not gonna be you know surprised by that but. And by the way, Packers Twitter, my God, people, stop with the drama. Ugh. It's horrible. Just focus on football, please, because it's annoying. Yeah, it's the mute button's about to get broke out, man. And I don't like to use it because I feel like everybody should have a voice and, and there should be opinions. And and I, I've learned more from differing opinions than I ever have, you know, uh, living in a, you know, in an echo chamber. Echo chamber. Um, but it's bad, man. It's just like. Why? It's hard. It's hard not to get into, but everything to be appreciative, everything we, we have around our team to appreciate and be thankful for. It's like, nah, I push that to the back. Let's talk about the (laughs) negative. Let's talk about all the things, the drama and this and that. And then you got people who cover the team posting half naked pics and, (laughs) and it's like, okay, I, you know, I'm a married man. I personally don't want to see that, but it's your Twitter. You're free to do what you want. Okay, cool. I'll scroll right past it. And then there's guys calling them out, and then here come the grandstanders coming in, swooping in to protect them, and it's like, I don't understand what's going on. I thought we were talking about football. Like, how did we yeah, get to the point just, where, let's just talk first about of football. all, why are you half-naked on Twitter and instead <laughs> – why are you telling her what she should have to should be should be able to do? Like maybe you're both wrong. I don't know. That's kind of a hard thing to understand, but yeah. anyway. Okay, so the line on FanDuel, um, back to the important stuff, gambling. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the line on FanDuel actually has the Packers as two and a half point favorites. And you guys know typically, um, typically the home team in the NFL is pretty much given three points right, just for home field advantage. So the fact that the Packers are two-and-a-half-point favorites, you could call that a five-and-a-half-point swing, that gives me a lot more confidence. Am I saying that I would, I would, you know, go with the Packers with negative two-and-a-half? Probably not, you know. But, again, Where do you see them on negative two-and-a-half? Sorry. Um, that's uh, on FanDuel as it sits right now. Okay. Because, so. yeah, ESPN had them at minus one-and-a-half, and then I just now I'm looking at uh... – a different site and they say minus two. So all right, we're in the yeah, ballpark. So it's yeah, yeah. It, it'll change too. You know yeah. how it is, especially when the injury reports drop. But I yep. say that because you know the home field advantage and the and the three points and all that stuff. It's uh um this is important. You know, it, when some people look at these lines, Jacob, and they go, Oh, that's just 
it's garbage. It doesn't mean any. Okay, there's a reason that they can oh, get yeah. out those free drinks in Vegas with the pretty little <laughs> umbrellas. They know what they're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as we get closer here, barring any practice injuries or anything like that or any unforeseen news, I'm feeling better about it as well. So on my breakdown, as we get ready to wrap up here, guys, um, I basically had the Packers in the points that I hit on that I felt like were really key matchups. I've got the Packers winning those matchups six to three. So I think that I think we come out with the with the W after looking at it in, in, in this regard. And, you know, earlier, like I said, in the offseason, I picked the Vikings in this game because they typically split. And that could still happen. You know, if yeah. they're going to split, it's probably going to happen in Minnesota with the loss rather than in Green Bay. But, uh, yeah, so I'm feeling a little bit better about it as well, Jacob. Is there uh, is there anything else you want to hit on before we wrap up here, man? I mean, um, maybe guys just stay tuned. We're going to be recording, like I said, another uh, episode of the Packernet Fantasy Podcast just after I'm done with this podcast here. Um, and one thing I did notice is uh, my buddy Tony, who does a co-host with me, him and Justin, he actually said when I was trying to get his pick on this game, I said, who who wins? You tell me, because I really do trust his opinion. He said the last person with the ball. So if it's one of those games where it's just who has the last possession, I'm one of the old school guys. You guys remember, I like time of possession, penalties, and turnovers. I feel like if we win that margin, we're going to win the game. Um, and that just means we have to play smart. We have to play, you know, disciplined. And, and oh, it's a big one, man. I know I'll be throwing up literally probably before the game. I'll be so f- nervous. I don't, I don't think I'll be able to do any live streams. I don't know what you guys are planning on doing, but I'll do the post game <laughs> with you. And that, that'll probably still kill me. What I thought about doing is maybe a pregame, you know? That'd be cool. Because I don't, I don't want to do it during the game either. Um, mm-hmm. And on, when we get into the season, guys, we may do a halftime show. We thought about doing that, maybe like a 10-minute clip of, hey, fun. here's what's going on around the league, that type of thing. But uh, probably won't do it week one. We're going to kind of ease into this and make sure we're set up for the postgame show and, uh, and everything there. So, yeah, I think we're, uh, <clears throat> I think we're good. One thing I do want to plug is the Packernet After Dark um, yep. show. Guys, you you guys literally – it was a couple of shows ago, and I told Ryan this. I actually tweeted about it as well. The listeners called in, and you guys, the whole the whole show was just our listeners talking ball. And, and a couple goofy ones in there too, which is great too, but it was all listeners. And it was one of the best podcasts I've listened to all year. And Ryan will be the first one to tell you it has nothing to do with him. It's about the listeners, man. It's about the content you guys bring because when we're talking about stuff that you want to talk about, the show's always going to be better. So that number, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, is 608-501-0718. Again, 608-501-0718. It never, it never fails. There's going to be somebody driving right now, Jacob, and they're going, Clayton, I can't write that down and drive with my knee, you idiot. Go to, <laughs> go to Ryan's Twitter. I agree. Don't drive with your knee, all right? Go to Ryan's Twitter, and he'll have it, I'm sure, within the first five tweets, you'll see the number, okay? Mm-hmm. Call in. There'll be a voicemail. You leave a voice message for him, um, whether it's a question, comment. Guys, it's Vikings week. Let's light that line up and Let's have a it. great week with Packernet After Dark because it's becoming a staple of the Packernet Podcast uh, Network. It's one I look forward to the most. So um, definitely check that out. I also want to say thank you guys. For the love, gotten several emails about the Vince Lombardi episode we dropped. I think it was uh, yesterday, um, the uh, the history uh, history episode. That was a fun one to do, and I really appreciate the encouraging words. You guys, uh, it, it means more than you know. It really does. So 
With that being said, let's get out of here. Everybody have a great week. It's Vikings week. Um, if you get a chance, hop on Twitter, talk a little trash to the Viking fans. It's uh, If we all do our part, we can keep them in check. But uh, <laughs> as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Thirteen is to go. The Vader. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to count. Takes the snap. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com